We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I thought we'd be done by now, but we are actually almost done <laughs> shooting ex- season four. Didn't expect that, but yes, I kind of thought we'd be done as well. But we're nearly there. We're very close. We just One got more back shoot. from a trip that uh-huh. was part of season four and actually is the capper for the last uh, the last Corvette of our Corvette film. You may have heard the last podcast. By the way, we are back in studio, so it sounds a little more normal. Yeah, you can probably tell. So we shot the ZR1. We shot some CUVs for uh, season four, and then we have one more shoot this next week. Actually, this week. Mm-hmm. Man, yep. there's a lot going on. And then there's a lot of editorial for, guess what, Corvette film in December and uh, season four coming in January. Yeah, no kidding. We'll be at Griot's shooting uh, mm-hmm. this week later this week yeah so last episode of season four shooting then there's the edit as you mentioned there is the edit yes. and just as a little preview tease the next podcast podcast number 350 is going to be an all questions podcast so prepare for that we're not quite yes. prepared for that as a matter of fact well it, but it, but it's a 350 it's a 50 mark so it's car questions this car isn't questions the not, crazy not 100 marker question, where it's but, any question yeah. but cars this is car related but we are going to fill an entire hour with just your questions look for us to post for those we will post for them early so many many of you can ask and that is all all across social media if you have a question you really want to post and you don't have social media i know there are those of you out there we hear you we're listening you can send us an email as well everydaydrivertv at gmail note that it is for the all questions podcast we prefer that is car debates, but we get your questions there too. And a lot of you interact that way and we love it. Yeah, no kidding. Well, we've got a very interesting topic Tuesday. Happy yeah. Tuesday, by the way. This is going to be fun because mm-hmm. Avinash R writes to us asking for the ideal midlife crisis car <laughs> at various price points. And I thought this would be Look actually kind of fun. Look forward to that for sure, yeah. We've also got Ben B. He's out in Chicago, Illinois, and asking for a debate for a very tall man. He's six foot five, 240 mm-hmm. pounds. Yeah, and um, yeah, he, he makes specific, us look short. He has specific car needs. Yeah, we're so six we're foot three, yes. so he's got uh, a lot of height and weight on both of us. But I, but we'll I honestly, tiny. I can appreciate all of his problems. He's talking about issues with I can't see underneath the edge of the windshield, and why on earth is this massive mirror in my way? I mean, I, I feel <laughs> your pain there. I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no a long kidding. enough torso that I'm like, what happened to this car? So we're yeah. gonna solve that problem. He's dealing with some back and hip issues, and yeah, so we yeah. want to address a little bit of that as well. Seats primarily, but uh, yeah. but yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute. But Topic Tuesday, Avinash, thank you for writing in. If you've got your own Topic Tuesday, please label it as such when you write to us. Mm-hmm. But looking around for examples of midlife crisis, and I'm thinking, this is interesting. I mean, yeah, sometimes yeah. this manifests itself earlier in car enthusiast lives, sure, I'd sure, say. Sure. But, you know, are you impulsive? Are you changing your plans quickly? Are you making very big plans mm. that surprise everybody in mm. your life? Like, wow, you got that car? That's That's not really you, we don't know you. <laughs> Who are you? Well, but but I, but I want to defend this this term for a minute. I want to reclaim it for us car enthusiasts because I, I did this and I, and I made up a good list. We've got it broken down by major price points: twenty, thirty, forty, fifty k, and then what what about eighty to one hundred? This is mm-hmm. what was given to us. So I, I want to talk to all of those. But here's the thing: there's two ways to look at this midlife crisis car thing. The traditional cliche way is I've only ever bought normal, responsible purchases, and I turned 40, 45, 50, put it in there somewhere. Put a number. gray hair. I freaked out about the fact I'm getting old, (laughs) and I bought a insert absurd car here, probably convertible, probably red. But the the cliche (laughs) is I'm not actually even a car guy. I just am trying to think about what would make me feel young and virile and blah, blah. I get that that's the cliche. 
Sure. What I'm sure. trying to list here is cars that if you get to the point in your life, because we've had many of you write to us, where you've always been a car person, but you got married, you had kids, you decided to be responsible for a while, and 15, 20 years has gone by, and you've gone, I've gotten to a place in my life where I can get a fun car. What should I get? I don't think that's a midlife crisis thing. Other people might see it that way, but I feel like you, for whatever fair, reason, have come around to a place where you want to have a car that's fun to drive, and many of you write us that way. And, and when I read these emails, it feels to me like this is the first of a long line of cars I'm going to buy like this. Okay. The traditional okay. midlife right. crisis car you have for a year, and you get rid of it. Or you have for a year and then you kind of stop driving it and 20 years later it's underneath a cover in your garage and it's a barn find. This is the typical midlife crisis car. I'm, I actually am listing cars that are genuinely fun to drive that I would recommend to people, period, but also could be viewed as just a, oh, having a midlife crisis, are you? <laughs> I, I see that. I'm borderline a, a little bit more towards the madness, but still okay. within a realm of reality. Sort okay. of a, yeah, I could see that, but wow, risky. <laughs> okay, a little bit, uh, little like bit on it. the okay, edge, good. are we? Good. You know, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm in there, but, you know, I just thought of midlife crisis as questions you have to ask yourself. Are you about to hire a life coach? Then you might be shopping. <laughs> do, you, do you only look at bring a trailer on your phone while you're sitting in the bathroom? Then you might be having a crisis. Interesting. Okay. Are you thinking right. of attending a rather large auto auction or do you already have a Vegas trip scheduled? Okay. All right. So clearly you need to make a fast decision on something stupid to make you look better. <laughs> now that, right? That's the t-shirt. <laughs> a fast decision on something stupid to make me look better. That is that kind of the definition of midlife crisis right there. You need yeah. something that needs your attention so you can go get attention. Mm -hmm. And that is really where it's at. I, I mean, I'm thinking about Corvettes. Corvettes seem to top this list, right? Yeah. I think a midlife crisis car. And we actually just drove the 2019 ZR1 in L.A., it is a brutal and violent car. All of the above, yes. And to quote our friend Bill F., he's a friend of ours, it's like the movie Spinal Tap. Everything is turned up to 11. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there might be some 12s in that car. Yeah, <laughs> Could very well yeah, be. Yeah, for sure. All right, but, you know, Porsche, Aston Martin, Jaguar, anything with hell and cat in the name. That would work. Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, Mustangs, all these, I think, are considerations in mm -hmm. the edgy that might have been a stupid purchase but pretty cool <laughs> sounds great well at the twenty thousand dollar price point i picked i tried to pick two and everything oh good twenty thousand okay. dollar price point interesting I thought, what could you get genuinely fun to drive but people are going to go oh i see porsche boxster sure red being the color that screams at the most but porsche boxster sure or any 86 platform in a bright color Okay. You, you've driven, Color is crucial here, you, isn't you've it? You've driven a string of minivans. They were all gray or black, and you suddenly bought yourself a $15,000 used FRS in orange, like some crazy person currently speaking to you, okay? <laughs> people are going to think, unless that they know that you're already nuts like me, people are going to think, what, what happened to you there? Did you kind of lose your mind? Did, did, <laughs> did you have an accident with the credit card machine? What happened? Exactly. Yeah. You tripped? You stumbled? You yeah, seriously. accidentally pulled too much money from the ATM and you thought... But at 20K, you, know what? you can get both of those. And you can... Look, you could become obsessed with driving with either one of those cars. You could turn them into track monsters. You could go Huna back road. You could take driving instruction. You could autocross. You could genuinely become a regular driving enthusiast in either of those cars, but people that don't know you or are looking at you from the outside are going to be like, oh, how you got that old, did you? <laughs> sure. You know what crossed my mind is as I'm thinking about the list, everything I chose has a V8. Hmm. Everything. And I'm thinking, hmm. if you've never owned a V8 engine in your life, 
you need to go have a V8. This is the time. If you're feeling okay. the itch, okay. yeah. feed the itch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking V8 engine. So with the $20,000 price point, this is kind of sensible, but mm-hmm. it's a Corvette. Mm-hmm. It's any generation Corvette you can buy for twenty grand, but it's got to okay. be a Z06 flavor, which means you're looking at C5 Corvettes yeah, at fair, this price fair, point. Fair. It's got a V8, mm-hmm. and they really can feed autocrossing, mm-hmm. high-speed mm-hmm. driving, cruising, all that kind of stuff. But you have to promise me if you get a Corvette <laughs> for twenty grand, any Corvette, mm-hmm. no third lane, sixty mile an hour driving. Yeah, please stop that ban. I yeah. think it should be a sticker on the IP, like permanently stamped into the plastic. <laughs> you're not allowed. You you know like when you rent if you've ever done this, if you rent a uh, a, a rental truck, okay? You're going to move. You rent a U-Haul, you rent a Penske. We we drag raced those years ago by the way. Yeah, you rent did. one of those. Oh my gosh. You climb into the cabin and the cabin is festooned with stickers about all the warning, please don't do this, please watch your head, please buckle your seatbelt, please don't put hot coffee here. There's 4,000 stickers it feels like inside telling you the things not to do. We should just have the one for Corvettes. No third lane 60 mile an hour right. driving. That is banned with a little circle with a line through it. We got to have a band sticker, you know. It's like shifting the first to fourth kind of fuel economy shifting. Uh-huh. That those yeah, cars that do, it won't allow you. You're going 50, and suddenly I'm going 75. What happened? It won't allow that 60 mile an hour range. It won't allow you. Just, You'd have to be going slower or 100. There's, there's, there's a lockout on the speedo. Yeah, that is funny. I like it that. Changes a lot. the throttle response. I'm going 50. What am I doing going 85, I officer? Like this. I like no, this. no, it's one of these Corvette. Oh, right. Okay, you you get a pass. I understand. That is funny. On the thirty thousand dollar price point. You went and bought a suspected midlife crisis car. I don't look good in these discussions because the Lotus Elise goes here. Okay, you bought a Lotus Elise. You've never had a sports car There's before. You no have thirty shame grand. To any of this? I don't feel any shame None. about it. But uh, people look at me questionably, no matter what I do. So it's fine. So, so you, so you have thirty thousand dollars. You've never bought a sports car. You go buy a Lotus Elise. That is about as much sports car as you can afford for the money. That is an incredibly focused sports car. It actually has a removable top because I think convertible is kind of key here. So, that, but it has <laughs> okay, technically okay. a removable top. But people are going to look at it and be like, "What happened to you?" So Lotus Elise, sure, but it's a fantastic. Obviously, I talk it up all the time. Fantastic car to drive. I think they're going to ask what happened to you when they see you in it. Like, how'd you get in? That that I get that. What question happened to too. you? It's actually when I get out, they're like, "Well, wait, wait, wait. How did that happen?" <laughs> so anyway, I also have to say, at thirty thousand dollars in price point, this is a very common choice. I have to put it here. I don't know that it's the right choice, but it's a common choice. Any convertible BMW. BMW Z4 mm. or two series being the prime c- contenders here at this price point. You went and bought a convertible BMW. Maybe you're a car enthusiast and you like driving because they're great to drive. Maybe you went, well, it has a BMW badge and it's a convertible. So when the days are nice, I can enjoy my new little crazy midlife crisis car. Hmm. All right. So two things. I've got to take a little bit of a tangent here. Okay. First of all, do our hero cars from decades past get lumped into the midlife crisis. Is this now a hall pass to go mm. get like a BMW 850i? This is when it happens, yeah. This is when it happens. You know, a Mercedes SL600 with the V12 that nobody bought. And yeah, all yikes. the cars that are horrifying to maintain. And wow, they're cheap. <laughs> yeah, I wonder yeah. why they're cheap. Okay, so the second thing is this, um, I forgot to mention, you know, we're doing each price category. For example, the 30000 price point, I went from 30000 to $39,999. That's my $30,000. Same thing with each category. I, I go in the $10,000 list. I understand. Yeah, of course. You because as it. soon as it hits it. forty, well, then we're into the 40000 to $49,999. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my thinking. Okay. So for thirty, I genuinely found this car. 
see it. There has to be a little bit of risk here. Okay. All right. Good. It's also a Lotus. All right. 2000 Lotus Esprit V8 twin turbo. Oh, that's up there. For $34,000. That's up there. Yeah. That's that's just that's an iconic timeless car. Don't and you think it's cool probably but risky? not yeah, oh, risky. Oh yeah, yeah, risky. <laughs> I'm not sure how the service situation is going to go on that car, but man, it's cool. That's my thinking. I mean, you'll you'll roll up in that. That mm. is still one of the most eye-catching cars. Absolutely. Some people who are not car people might think it's the newest, latest. You might get asked if it's a Ferrari. You that probably, might happen, yeah. especially if it's in red. But if I did find red, this yeah. white one. It's a year 2000. It has mm. something like 19,000 miles of on course. it. Of course, they never got high miles. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to be kidding me. Hmm. I, I think they're okay. sort of like the C4 Corvettes that are a little creaky. With Creaky's a good thought. With age, yeah. they kind of like torque. They they there's rack. Some, like there's a, some there's some flex happening there. Let's put it <laughs> let's put it uh, tactfully. There, it's got a little bit of flex, just yeah. a tiny bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm sticking with the uh, the Lotus Esprit, also a V8. That was a chassis in search of an engine. The number of engine combinations <laughs> yeah, no that put in the Lotus Esprit from the 70s to when they killed it in the early 2000s is staggering. I almost I, I honestly can't even say off the top of my head, but there were many. They tried about every combination possible from about every manufacturer possible into that car, but they're still so cool. I mean, rewarding, but finicky, but rewarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like back and forth. Yeah, but that's the reason that people, I mean, I'll get to a car here in a minute that is like the the go-to midlife crisis car when you have money because people know that they can just, it shows prestige, but I know it's going to run. Mm-hmm. But at $40,000, okay. the $40,000 price point, you can go by either of these and enjoy driving them. But people, especially because you can find the convertibles for these prices, people are going to go, oh, I see what's happening. <laughs> Aston Martin Vantage V8. Ah. Jaguar F-Type. Interesting. Both very good to drive. Both incredibly suspect when looked upon by your neighbors. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> that's the gauge, right? That's the, it really is. That's the test, the litmus test right when, there. When your neighbor, unbeknownst to you, because you, you can't be a fly on the wall, but your neighbor just walked into the kitchen and went, honey, do you see what Bill bought? Uh-huh. uh-huh. What's going on there? I think better if you let your yard go, like it just turns brown, <laughs> stop watering it. Just let it go. Just yeah. let the house kind of go, and then you show up in a jag. <laughs> then you'll get the eyebrows raised. The yeah. HOA might even knock on your door. Your spouse gets a call. <clears throat> Are y'all doing okay? Because your husband actually. your wife, they, 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 you know, they, they bought that car. Are you guys all right? Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, in that price point, I have a Jaguar F-Type R. I found them for $49,000. Really? really? An F-Type R. That's really cool. Clearly, the Jag F-Type goes here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great car to drive. Genuinely great car to drive. I wouldn't buy the convertible. I'd buy the hard top. Yeah, no I kidding. I love it every time I get a chance to drive one. The sound's going to make it. you weep with it's fantastic. tears of it's joy. It's fantastic, and, yeah. And yeah. your neighbors will you'll they'll kind of hate you and love you for that all at once. Actually, they'll hate you because they're seething with jealousy. That's what actually happens here. You crank that up at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning to go for a drive, and they're like, dang it, <laughs> dang it. Can this? Can we also add some a little bit of um, behavior modification in here, too, so you start to do some burnouts? and It, it depends can, on can how much you Can you knock over wanna, some trash cans or something? It depends on how much you want to really drive home. Because the, the, there's two ways to play this. You could drive home the, I'm having a midlife crisis, okay, which is you change the way you dress, you change your hair, you start yeah. acting differently, and you have this car. Or, or, and this is... The, Granted, my hair is ridiculous to begin with, but there's the op- opposite play, which is you have this car, the neighbors wonder, but they never see you do anything else that's odd. And then they find out in a conversation with you that you actually did go to the racetrack last weekend. Mm. So you're not hooning or doing anything weird right now. You just are seriously out and driving, and I love that. That's the play. 
at least blast some music or something from <laughs> your high school days. Do something to like oh. tick off the neighbors just a little bit. But see, this is where, honestly, this, this kind of thinking is where I bought the car that I loved in high school. This is where that yeah. happens in general. I'm not even going to tie that to a price point because I don't know what car you loved in high school. But you listening have a car you loved in high school and you couldn't afford it. And you get to that place in life where you're like, should I? <laughs> and if you've never owned a sports car before and you buy that, this is what – honestly, this is the reason why for the last, let's say, 20 years, those 60s muscle cars have been way overvalued. Because yeah, sure. that was sure. – for, for the last 15, 20-year span – it was the end of the baby boomers that were buying those cars they couldn't buy back when. I mean, you've also just encompassed the entire SEMA show in a nutshell because that's kind of. everybody wanting to now modify the car they loved and here's more parts to make it go faster, look better, blah, change that part into carbon fiber. This is the entire yeah. SEMA show <laughs> along with lifted crazy monster well, trucks. But, but honestly, SEMA really is change Blank to carbon fiber. We have a carbon fiber version of that. <laughs> exactly. Your, your utensils, great. Your toilet, fine. You need a cooler in carbon right. fiber, we've done that. That really exactly. is. It, we have a chromed carbon fiber version of that. Welcome to SEMA. Exactly. That is the, that is the entire show right there, which leads us to the $50,000 price point. And I'm right at a Mustang GT350. I put one there too. You're kidding me. Absolutely. The Absolutely. noise alone... Mm-hmm. The noise. Mm-hmm. And you've got to turn on sport mode. You've just got to turn it on and break the button off. Yeah. So find when you that, start find it up. fuse and solve it. Yeah. Properly, mm-hmm. it will destroy mm-hmm. the neighborhood. <laughs> and preferably, you know, Saturday or Sunday mornings. Yes. Early enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to coffee. What? What? Yeah. I'm just starting my little car. <laughs> the Mustang GT has good neighbor mode. The GT350 does not. It's because even, even without the sport on, it's still loud. Yeah. Mm. All right, so you've got the same car in this category? GT350, but also Corvette C7 goes here. Okay, fair enough. I bought a brand new Corvette. You can do it for this money. It, and, and again, I, I stay with my list here, which is that every car I'm listing, people will look at suspect, and every one of them is fantastic to drive. Okay? Yeah. Corvette C7, yeah. base Corvette C7. I know, look, we just we just drove all the Z06s. We just drove the, Z, the ZR1. Yes, you can get into madness. I, I'm telling you right now, the Corvette C7 for the money is one of the best driver's cars out there. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the GT350 mm-hmm. is the same. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I mean, SEMA is full of Mustang builds, which is astounding. There's oh, yeah. so many products for Mustangs mm-hmm. in general. Yes. Uh, we, we almost lost Chance. We did. We almost yeah. turned at one point and went, uh, where did Chance go? <laughs> I kind of figured that'd be the case. Yeah. But there's just so many products, and it's it's amazing because mm-hmm. at any of these price points, you could, well, I guess the upper price points, you could go for a muscle car. I mean, the Pontiac yeah, Fire sure. Chicken could fit in here if okay. you wanted Perfect. that from the 80s. Perfect. I've you always know? wanted a Fire Chicken. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> I mean, um, I want a Fiero with a Fire Chicken on the hood. Can I do that? I, I maintain a Fiero with a Cadillac Northstar V8 in the back. Brilliant. Fieros are like 1600 bucks yeah. or less. Yeah. I mean, they are kind of getting to a Lemons car, but then you drop the transverse V8 in that's, that thing. Yeah, that's bound to run. <laughs> he says sarcastically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, it's, I'm it's horrified. It's got to be a plug build. and play, right? No, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody somebody has to do a Fiero with this engine. But yeah, you could do some sort of cool build. And, you know, I'm saying yeah. I've watched enough Mecham auctions that $50,000 price point will get you the hot rod and the thing you never sure. realized you could afford. For and sure. it's 
ludicrous and it's yeah. in yeah, yeah. teal with magenta scallops and <laughs> oh my gosh the color guy can't stop talking about the custom pinstriping you got on right. the back of this model yeah uh-huh all right so up above that 80 to 100 i'm going audi r8 this is the sensible like reliable like about yeah. face kind of sports car it is it is here's where i went in this category if we're talking midlife crisis car, I'm thinking in all of these, my, my, my trend here is you have not bought a sports car prior in your adult life. So this is like your first sports car purchase. Sure. And if you really dive sure. in at this upper level of 80 to 100 grand, it's a cliche because it's true. I went and bought a 911. This is where yeah. it goes. Yeah, I it went is. and bought a brand new 911. It has all the luxury features because that's the other thing that happens. If you're buying your first sports car for this kind of money at the midlife stage, you're not buying an Elise. You're mm-hmm. not buying hardcore. Mm-hmm. You're really buying a luxury car with sporty intentions, and the 911 is the poster child for that. Again, as I say, it, all these cars I'm listing are great to drive, but it's the poster child for that, which made me think of an alternative. Okay. This is where the LC500 goes. The Lexus LC500. Oh, interesting. Is a midlife crisis car for a man who's never bought sports car who has roughly hundred grand to spend because it looks crazy, but it's still a Lexus. Hmm. It's going to run. It's going to be comfortable. You're probably not going to be a guy running out to the track. Probably not. Now, look, I love the exceptions to this rule. I am the exception to this rule. They don't have that kind of money, but you've seen what I'm saying. But I keep thinking about midlife crisis car represents I've never owned a sports car, and I'm buying one now. And I don't think those guys buy hardcore. I think this is where the 911 goes, and the LC500 fits wonderfully. No, I like that. Although my alternative for this category is the Factory 5 Racing Type 65 Coupe. Cool. If you want to be that, that hardcore, build. I love that. that I love that. That's super what I would hardcore. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've got a soft spot for these. things. I still. That's the Daytona Even coupe they from run. Factory Five. Exactly right. I want one of those. This is people asking me now and then right about now. my ultimate Holy build. Cow. My ultimate money no object build is not not a Singer. It's not even an E-Type because granted that's actually my ultimate, but that's like a half million dollars. My my ultimate crazy build hot rod build is the GT three fifty drivetrain in the Daytona Coupe Ooh. from Factory 5. Ooh. I really want that. But I would have somebody else build it for me because I am not that guy, which means even more money. Yay! <laughs> hey, we're spending money. All right, so anything above that price point, I think a 1987 Lamborghini Countach would really feed your ego for mm-hmm. at least for a little while for the sole reason of sitting on the sill with the door up and backing into your parking space at the country club or the restaurant or wherever it is. A Lamborghini Countach. I mean... You own a spaceship. You own a spaceship. People would be your friends. Mm -hmm. They would go bonkers. I mean, that's the cash out the 401k kind of money right there. Yeah, yeah. But caution to the wind. I mean, we're, you know, I'm having a crisis, so let's go for it, right? (laughs) That that is you really embraced it. The the trick is there, if you really want to make the neighbors suspect you, then you actually have to drive through the neighborhood with both doors up forward, I'm talking about. Not backing up. You just get to the end of your neighborhood, and you just pop both the doors, and you drive down the middle of the street. Totally. Yeah. I love it. He's home again. He's just lost his mind. Here he comes again. Then if you can dress like Don Johnson from Miami Vice, you've really done it. (laughs) By the way, Halloween is handled. Problem solved. Totally. Mm -hmm. Got all the props necessary. Holy cow. All right. That was, uh, I like that. That was absurd, but fun. This can change at any point. I'm sure I'll think of more fun. (laughs) Kind of obscure, edgy, but they run. Well, but, but That's the, why I liked the Esprit. Yeah, I see it. Like, my, ooh. I, I tried to yeah. carry my list with stuff that I know will run that is great to drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. you can go nuts in this category, but, but run and great to drive. So I, I want the neighbors wondering. That's really my thing here. The neighbors are welcome to wonder, while I enjoy my car. Yeah, true. You just need a V8. Whatever it is, you need a V8. 
<laughs> Hands down. Okay. All right. Well, like I said, if you've got a topic Tuesday, please write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, and same place for the car debates. Label, if you would. But these are things that we can debate and change our minds later. It's, mm-hmm. you know, conversation over, you know, poker night. Totally. Whatever that is. It's a, it's, it's a quasi-argument, almost argument at a bar. It's a big, like, bar rant. You know what you should do. It's that kind of conversation. <laughs> right. And sometimes we pull them out of our social media questions as well, because some of you guys ask questions where I look at it and I go, that's a great question, but I need some time. So yeah, it's right. cool to pull them out of there as well. We love them, so thank you guys for sending cool questions in. All right. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back. You can find a lot of weird and surprising things in cars. I mean, some people have, I don't know, petrified french fries or melted crayons. But one thing that shouldn't surprise you are continental belts. I bet you didn't know they're original equipment in tens of millions of FCA, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also original equipment on the majority of BMWs and Volkswagens. Now Continental is launching an aftermarket line of the Multi V-Belt. It's their original equipment technology series. And Continental has an OE technology series Multi V-Belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks already. A belt shouldn't be one of them. So go with the Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V-Belt. It's the belt with original equipment pedigree. You can get the full story by visiting oetechnologyseries.com. Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off the dry cleaning, you pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars in car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing on your to-do list today. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. We've got a debate from Ben out in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. He is a tall guy, as we've mentioned before at the top of the podcast. Yeah. He's six foot five, 240 pounds, and he's dealing with back and hip issues. And after going through quite a list of cars, he needs help getting creative to find something with a tall greenhouse yeah, yeah. that won't make him duck. And I actually thought of you and the Elise because mm-hmm. on a smaller scale, this is the Elise. You can't see the traffic light because of mm-hmm. the low windshield header. Yeah, absolutely. Even though you fit in the car. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. think Ben would. But, you know, he can't. He has to duck down and either hunch his back or he's, you know, just not comfortable in the car. Yeah. And I'm thinking to start out with, you could have theoretically any car modified with the frame rails some cars are obviously easier than others there's tall man mods for tons and tons you of things can but now do that if you find you, something you've taken you really some like. versatility like for example there's tall man mods for the lotus i could gain about an inch and a half maybe two inches worth of vertical height i forget what it would is would you want to i would except for one problem it bolts the seat in position and my wife drives the oh car. right that's the right you do that you leave you lose the seat rail that slides it and she drives it and loves it, and I can drive it and be okay in it, so I'm leaving it alone. If it mm-hmm. was just my mm-hmm. car, if it was my track car, for example, or something like that, I would seriously consider it. 
I really would. But also, the windows on the Elise are less than a foot tall. They are really narrow. If you watch my one of my first Lotus Elise pieces, I have a new one coming, but one of my first Lotus Elise pieces, I actually lean out the window to talk to camera. One of my friends pointed out to me that my entire face fills the entire window top to bottom. It's a small windowed <laughs> car. So we're not doing that here. That simply will not work for Ben. So we're trying to find something with a worthwhile greenhouse. He's driven a lot of stuff. He's driven a lot of SUVs. He's surprised by how bad the visibility is in a lot of things for him. And he has to be worried about the seats being good because back and hip pain, that's a, real, that's a reality for him. And that sucks, by the way. So he's driven a lot of things. One of the ones that got closest was actually a Ford Explorer. But he was like, it looks, Which was interesting. And it looks like a truck. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a cop truck. So he's like, I don't really want that. But he's also not married to the idea of, I need a truck. And in a weird twist, he would get a minivan, which I understand you would fit. I totally this is get it. funny. And actually. his wife said, we are absolutely not. She had a Honda Civic with a stick shift, which is, he said, one of the reasons he really fell in love with her. Perfect, yes. Among many. But Ben has two kids under the age of four, and he needs something practical that he can haul the kids. Mm-hmm. He said band gear, and it fits in a parking spot in a Chicago grocery store. Yeah. So this is all about practicality. And he mentioned, you know, Ford F-150 pickup truck. Yes, that's the answer. But it's a monster, he yeah. said, in the city. Yeah. and. She will not tolerate the minivan. <laughs> Raptors for everyone. No, wait, no, different podcast. He loves land cruisers, but they're mm-hmm. way too thirsty for the mostly city commuting that he does. Mm-hmm. He said Tahoe's mysteriously only have tilt wheels and are almost equally thirsty. Well, yes. Yeah, they are. And then any five-seater SUV don't have the right geometry. And he said the mirror mounting position, and there's so many windshields now that have the built-in headlight dimming features or the rain sensors built into mm-hmm. the windshield, which, mm-hmm. <clears throat> by the way, makes windshields very expensive when you replace them. Yes, we've replaced a few. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have. But yes, the mirrors are mounted in such a way where it's it's having him hunch over and actually you know, making the back problems worse. If you're having those visibility issues and you think about, look, get into any car that has those kind of sensors because for most people, those sensors are hidden. You never really realize they're there because they're behind the mirror. But start looking. If you're ever curious, look on those cars that have those sensors. Look behind the mirror. The mirror is hiding like a volleyball-sized space at mm-hmm. the top of the windshield that is now no longer usable because it's all sensors. It's a big bulb that comes down from the roof. Yeah. You're having trouble seeing it past the area where the mirror is. This is a huge issue, and this is Ben's issue. Yeah, so right. we got to worry about that as well. I actually went with smaller stuff here than I thought I would. Okay, interesting. I tried to make a range here because okay. he suggests great greenhouses. Uh-huh, agreed. Ford C-Max, Nissan Leaf. Something electric, and he said, I'm staying in the city or suburbs mostly, mm-hmm. and he does suggest a BMW i3, but he'd have to sell the wife on the minivan thing, and I, I don't have any minivans on the list here. No, I didn't either, yeah. What was notable is the cars that he doesn't fit in or doesn't like. Yes, I and agree. And it's actually huge and surprising. So get this, mm-hmm. an Audi Q5 and below, yep. BMW X anything, so any of their SUVs are out. <laughs> All out. <laughs> Mercedes G anything, they are right out. Yes. Surprisingly bad visibility. Mm-hmm. Lexus GX and RX. That's a little bit of a styling problem is what's going on there. But yeah, <laughs> well, those yes. are out for sure. Yep. As you mentioned, he does say the Ford Edge was almost right, and he might need to revisit this. Well, he said he liked the Explorer, the Explorer. and also kind of likes the Edge. Yeah, the Edge is really be... interesting. Ford's doing well. You mentioned the F-150. Clearly Ford, which is funny because it typically, Ben, here's the thing. I don't fit in Fords very well. So I find it fascinating that they're working for you. This is how people can be so very different. For a long time, I felt like Ford only had small-sized people doing their testing. 
but it's working for you. You said the F-150, the Explorer works, and the Edge might work. That's fascinating that they're all working for you. So I would say chase that rabbit trail, but keep going, Paul. He said Acadia's enclaves and traverses are right out because they're so bland. They are bland. Yeah, as an owner, they're the guy that owned one. They're bland. <laughs> Mazda CX-7, so they're mm-hmm. large SUV and below. Yeah, not that's out. Bad. That's too bad, but yeah. Anything from FCA. He just doesn't want it. He just flat out doesn't want it. Dodge Durango's probably would fit you, but I guess that's out. Especially well, but they're kind got, of thirsty. But they've got tiny windows, too. Well, they yeah. have really the proportion. Kind of questionable visibility, the, honestly. The 300C started it all with the huge, yes. tall, yes. proportion body side and the window slits. Mm-hmm. I mean, looks cool from a sketch perspective, but the not Durango great. carries it forward into SUVs, yeah. Toyota Highlander and below. I know what you mean there, Ben. Yeah. And Nissan Infinity Anything, dot, dot, dot. He says, yuck. Yuck. That yuck was his complete land, landing line on that one, which is great. I went, I went kind of small. Did you? I thought about, because here's the thing. Yes, you could try to have the argument about the minivan. You're talking about two small kids. So you need a little bit of backseat back usable space. Mm-hmm. But I found his mention that wouldn't electric car work for me was very informative for me. And then his other comment that he owned a Honda Fit. This was intriguing because that's Those a tiny car. And he doesn't say anything bad about it. Big he just greenhouse. says he sold it because it, because manual commuting was starting to hurt. So it wasn't the car. It was, it was the transmission. Right. So I'm going to say right now, Ben, have you driven a new Honda Fit in automatic? That's crazy that that might actually work for him. But that car, that's a car with a good greenhouse, good visibility, surprising amounts of space. This is what we're chasing is that idea for usable doors. And I've said it before, and I'll say it here again. The Honda Fit is a weird car that I, I do think every design team should pull in the middle of their studio and go, how did they find that room? Yeah. You, get, you shouldn't <laughs> have any cars with poor packaging in the world where you could go buy a <laughs> Honda Fit for the design studio to just tear apart. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So the Fit has got great room. I say I, I'm surprised to be in that small car, but that that started to inform my choice in a whole direction of small-ish cars that I think can work for you that have good visibility, big greenhouse, and surprising space. Ben, I just want to get this out of the way just so we know that it's been mentioned and acknowledged, and then we'll move on. <laughs> okay. And that is the Volkswagen Beetle has a huge greenhouse. Yes, it does. You can wear your Stetson mm-hmm. in the Beetle mm-hmm. and be fine. You could be fine, as a matter of fact. But now that that's out of the way, we can actually be serious. <laughs> I, I liked your Land Cruiser and slash Range Rover suggestion. And to quote Jerry Seinfeld, those are the cars that people can see your hips. That might work, but again, too thirsty. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. led me to the Toyota FJ Cruiser. Ooh. It's got a surprising amount of headspace, but the windows yes. are small. Think of it That's as... That's the problem. It's like a hot rod, and you see the chopped tops. Mm-hmm. The windows are very tiny, but the roof bubbles up pretty high, so you still yeah. have a lot of headroom. Yeah. And I remember being in those, and I think, wow, well, this is very different. Mm-hmm. And it actually, Mini Coopers are kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. They've got a, an A-pillar that's almost standing up you know, kind Vertical, of straight-ish, yeah. and it's far away from you. It's not lean back towards yeah, your head, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of standing up kind of far away. I'm wondering if that could work. Mini Coopers seem to have a strange amount of room it's on, in them. They're on my list. On my list. I, no kidding. I, ben, I want you to go drive the Mini line of products. I'm not sure which one is right for you because the seating positions change a little bit. Hmm. 
But a Cooper S, I mean, I realize I just sold mine, but a Cooper S has a surprising amount of space. Mm. Now, you've mentioned you have back and hip problems. You haven't mentioned if that's an ingress or egress problem, like a get in and out of the car problem. Does it bother you there, or is it just sitting and seat I'm quality? wondering if it's just while he's driving It may be over. just seat quality, which I totally understand. Yeah. So the, the Mini, I would actually shop the Cooper S all the way up to the Countryman, the, the four-seat the four mm-hmm. all-wheel drive. Yeah. Essentially, they make an SUV, okay, is what that is. But they have pretty tall sideways windows and surprising headroom in the whole range of cars they do they do the seat goes the mini cooper i had okay which you look at it from the outside was a tiny car was one of the rare cars where i did not have the seat all the way on the floor and all the way back on the tracks if i did both of those it was like i'm too low and too far away in a mini cooper which is crazy i i think of the interior space in that and it's kind of a good compromise between like i said that inflated bubbly mm-hmm. roof and where the headliner is because i think where the headliner is or or just the header of the windshield mm-hmm. is your main issue sure if you have to duck to look mm-hmm. under it you know where the uh the sun visors are and you can't see the stoplights and you can't really navigate just because that is too close the minis actually it's farther away from your head and i'm wondering if that might work better it might it's one of the this reminds me one of the places where california has revolutionized something that everybody should do California, when you drive there, L.A. is the best example. You drive there. Late in uh, this time of year is actually a great example when you get the sun really low Mm -hmm. in your eyes. Mm -hmm. You don't want to look up at the upper stoplight because the sun's right there. So they have have duplicate lights down at about, if you were walking, shoulder height on the edges of the intersection. It's a great point. And you can look at those lights, which is actually where they put them in Europe. You got them there. Exactly. I didn't realize how much I used those as a tall guy until I moved to Utah where they don't have them. Because you've got the sun visor down, you don't want to look up into the sun, essentially. Well, or I drive cars where the roof is so so low into my vision that I can't see the upper light, and I'd never thought about that in yeah. cars I drove because I always looked at the side light. I got to Utah and went, there's no side light. i got to lean over. Yeah. So that's a, just a little side rant for you, Ben. But you, I, I did mention the Ford Edge here because you said maybe you should drive it again. I think you should drive it again. I mentioned Mini Cooper, the Fit, 500 a Bart. I remember that having a pretty large... Headspace in and that it's car. got and it's got pretty decent sized windows. It's mini esque in that mm-hmm. sense, absolutely, and decent back seats. It's not a four door. You're not going to do the the simple four door thing. I get that, so that may be out. But at the same time, the back seats are, are they're better than they are in the mini. Honestly, they're usable back seats. Yeah, and you've got I think a decent like upright seating position. It almost, I, in fact, this is a downside, I feel like, in the chassis is because it feels like a minivan seating position. But for Ben, that might be perfect. Ben, the background behind the seating position, which is called the H-point in mm-hmm. designer speak, so point, that's your yeah. hip point. It's where you're bent over at a 90-degree angle. In that car, the designers wanted you to have the same eye level as every other driver on the road, as if you're driving a pretty typical normal car, even though you're in a small car. And so the H point is raised in the Fiat 500. Mm -hmm. Therefore, your eye level is right about the eye level as most people, SUVs aside. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? They wanted that higher eye level and therefore the roof went up. So the proportions look tall, Mm -hmm. but that actually translates to a pretty good headroom in that car. It's surprising. I think that's worth taking a look at, Ben. I mean, obviously, all of these situations, you're dealing with, with very personal fit issues for you. So you have to drive these cars. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of guessing, but I think that one's worth looking at because the 500 Abarth is really surprising. I have one left, but we're, we're coming up with a good list. All right. I've got three for you, Ben. Three more to mention. And the first one is a pretty large car. It's the Kia Stinger. 
I remember hmm, noting okay. that that okay. car has a lot of interior space. Now, it's a big car, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering, you don't even have to spend as much as you're thinking here. And by the way, we've failed to mention that so far. $40,000 to work with. Tons to work with for everything Plenty. we're talking about. Yep. 40 grand. He's fine with used. I'm wondering about a Kia Stinger. You could even get... Probably a GT or even a GT2 maybe for that kind of money. You were finding them here. There's that local dealer here that had a row of them, still has a row of them, for like 39 it's, They were new. It's astounding how yeah. much space that car has. And it's got that long hatchback, the long sloping kind of five-door look. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that car could work. That led me to the Mazda 6. And if you go Mazda 6, oh, brand new, okay, okay. this is the balance. Even though I know you're looking for practicality, mm-hmm. they do have the new 250-horsepower turbo engine. The Grand Touring is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Get that car, and that is also surprising as amount of interior space. Yeah, that's true. I, I can't remember the headroom car. in it, but it is a, it, it's one of those. It's almost the Honda Fit thinking done on a full-size sedan. Yeah, Where strangely, you keep opening yeah. doors. And the, the trunk on that is a cavern. It's amazing. You open the trunk like, what? What are you putting back here? But it still feels... I mean, it's a bit of a bigger car, but it still feels compact enough. True. And then when True. you start driving it, you think, wow, this is yeah. pretty good size. They've kept it kind of smallish. Yeah, they did a good job So there. it doesn't yeah. turn into this giant boat. And then finally, if you're looking for electric, I do remember the Chevy Bolt Thank is you. very much like the Fiat 500 in terms of eye level. Yes, that was the last one on my list. I love that you mentioned that. I think the Bolt is a really strong contender. If you're going electric, drive the Bolt. The only problem I could see with it is, and we've mentioned it, other people have mentioned it, the seats are surprisingly narrow, mm-hmm. which is sure. weird. Sure. Narrow based on the fact that most seats are enormous. By the way, they're surprisingly narrow, <laughs> well, but they, yeah. but, they yeah. but they're comfortable. And your your again your H point, like you were talking about the Fiat Five Hundred, it's that kind of thing. It's a light, airy cabin, lots of headroom, good visibility. If you're going to talk about electric, the Bolt needs to be pretty much near the top of your list. Mm-hmm. Ben, thank you for writing in. We're hoping you find something that uh, prevents the back pain. Yeah, seats are always paramount, of course. Hope this helps. Please write to us. Let us know. And please write to us with your own car debates as well. You know where to write. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you. But we've got to jump to social media questions. And we've got a ton of them. Since we're on design, I Mm want to explain a little bit. Ricardo Bobby's question on Instagram asks us about our concern of sports cars looking the same. From here on out, Mm -hmm. are they all going to look the same? Because manufacturers are using the same CAD and, more importantly, the same CFD that is the shorthand for computational fluid dynamics. Yes, And yes. that means the computer simulated aerodynamics yeah. in the wind tunnel. Yeah. Then they move yeah, yeah. towards a, a physical model in the wind tunnel. So is he's saying, is the mathematical, because we all use the same software, mm-hmm. is it going to mean all the cars are just going to start looking alike? Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the answer is no. Okay. Think of it this way. Let's talk about wine. Really quick. Wow. Okay. It's grapes and it's time. And it's yeast. Yeah. Why is there really good expensive wine? And why is there two buck chuck? (laughs) They're vastly different. And don't try to argue me that two two buck chuck is, wow, this is really surprising. It's $2 wine. (laughs) This is what you wash the wine glasses out with. By the way, we have backed our way without the backup beeper into one of Paul's (laughs) standard rants. You may not have heard the two buck chuck rant before, but it exists and we're there now. Welcome. Hang on to something. Yeah. Why are, how do winemakers do it? What is it? Mm-hmm. It's the art and the craft to make that. Now let's talk about cars. Okay. We're all using steel and aluminum, plastic and leather and Alcantara. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Why does a Lotus Elise yeah. feel so completely different yes. than a Chevy Equinox or a Ford Explorer mm-hmm. or name a car? Well, oh, the Elise same versus materials. the Cayman stay in the same area. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now let's get to the mathematical equation. The guys running the software are called electronic math modelers. The CAD guys, computer-aided industrial design or computer-aided design. Okay. There's two softwares on the planet that offer you a class A surface. Now, those are the tools, okay. but it takes the skill of the modeler to sure, coax the sure, shape. Sure. And really, when I say class A, that is merely the relationship between you and the people making your car, mm. bending the sheet mm. metal. I'll give you an example. GM bends their sheet metal three times in the press. Okay. BMW might do it five times. Well, that takes longer. It's more expensive, and mm. it makes the sheet metal a little bit more fragile and delicate and thinner, but they get weird, different, better shapes. Mm-hmm. I say better, but you know what I mean. Just More elaborate shapes, yeah. I, I suppose yeah. they're more design flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that adds cost to the car mm-hmm. because they're doing more. They're trying to coax more of the sheet metal. Sure, The sure, BMW sure. 7 Series, the bangle butt, yes. you remember that 7 Series and the Sadly. corner of that trunk? <laughs> BMW experienced a lot of tearing right at that corner because it's almost like a kitchen sink if you turn it upside down. It's a very deep draw, deep press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They experienced a lot of actually rejected parts on that car. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the designers are... You have to go back and forth, but mm. to the math part, the, the design guys are coaxing that shape just using the tools. How come some food tastes better than others? I'm, I'm using a knife to cut the food. Yeah. Well, how, how does that pasta taste so amazing and the store-bought stuff tastes terrible or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. It's all about the tools, and just think of your computer-aided design tools mm. as mm. just okay. that. It okay. comes down to the person operating that. I can't play the violin. I can make noise with it. And then there's people who can coax an amazing sound. I'm using the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I also think it's the the people that are that are in charge ultimately. Are they going to be okay if you know what I'm going to leave that line, even though it's going to do 0.01 more drag? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to leave that line because I like it. You have to have somebody in charge who's like, no, no, that line stays. Because if it was yeah. ju- if 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 we were designing cars just for the fluid dynamics, just for the aerodynamics to be more efficient, they're going to eventually all look pretty similar. Very slippery. But that's, all not, that's... but that's not all that's being discussed, and that's the thing that keeps it in check, I think. That's great. That's I mean, excellent. we have to come back to us as buyers. Mm-hmm. We like to look at cars that has to be mm-hmm. differentiated, and therefore, you know, designers are pushing for that and saying, well, this shape is really going to bring the buyers in, we feel like. Well, if if we end up in a world where it's all autonomous pods that nobody owns and we call them all like an Uber, then, yeah, they're all going to look the same and have different badges on. And then the discussion, Ricardo, is the interior experience. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. car companies are actually have in-house design teams creating films and movies that the public will never see. But it's about various mm-hmm. buyer scenarios and what the interior is like. Okay, so two girlfriends and their dog, and they're doing, they're going to a concert, and then the family. Or they would drive. Sorry. Honestly, yeah. they imagine all these different experiences yeah, yeah. and what is good for all these different kinds of people, these groups of people that are going to be using the car. And they make short films. They produce a lot of interior design and information before they ever release. That'll never be seen by the public. Yeah, interesting. Huh, fascinating. Love your question. I could go on. You could. I'd, we I'd have love to that. move on. I love that. Scott Berger on Facebook asked an interesting question that's very relevant right now. Where do you draw the line between a car, a, 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 like a fun car, you'll drive year-round with winter tires, or a car that is your kind of, well, this car I want to keep nice in the winter and I need a winter beater? Hmm. I've been on both sides of this equation, so let me see if I can speak to this, Scott. I think it comes into a, a, few, a few little categories. First off, 
I had that FRS. It was my year-round sports car. I loved it. I had a full set of wheels for winter and a full set of wheels for summer. Totally different rubber on the two. Changed them out right about now with shoulder seasons, October, November. Would change it out, okay? It was a $20,000 Toyota, all right? It wasn't, in spite of being a sports car, it wasn't overly low to the ground. <laughs> if it got dinged or screwed up or whatever, there's parts. They made a ton of them. It's not that expensive to begin with. If the paint gets nicked, it's a twenty thousand dollar Toyota. I don't. I'm not a, a complete snow shovel everywhere I go. <laughs> and the heater worked, and the interior was nice. Contrast that with the Elise. It's even lower because I don't mind driving rear wheel drive in the snow, and I, in many ways, would be tempted to drive the Lotus. But it's even lower. You ding any body panel, and you're replacing half the car, and the interior is mostly metal. Which means when you get in it in Park City in a thirty degree day, that's going to be mostly terrible. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah, have to think sure. about what are the things that you're willing to tolerate and what are the things that in the winter it's just going to be more hassle than it's worth. That's the reason I parked the Lotus and now have a winter car, which happens to be all-wheel drive, at least this one does, and has a fantastic heater. Yes, I like it otherwise, but there's no exposed metal in the cockpit and the <laughs> heater works really well. And it's right. a $10,000 Mitsubishi. If something gets dinged this winter, I'm going to be – look, I'll be bummed, but that's ultimately it's going to be – oh. Well, that's a bummer. Right. It's not right. that I cracked the front half of my car. <laughs> so you have to think about what yeah. if this goes awry or gets beat on? Because let, let me put it another way. It will get beat on over the winter because you're talking about being like in a place that has definite winter. Yeah, right. It's going to get worse for wear over the winter. So are you okay with that on the car that comes summertime, you want to drive hard for fun? I just want to mold a new shape that's kind of plow-esque, sort of like a plow on the front of your car so you can go just you have want, a little side business. You want me to snow plow with the Lotus Elise because you think everybody in town would hire me just for the laugh. I yeah, do. I get it. It's yeah. like those things in the front of big freight trains, you know, when the snow yeah, just goes totally. crazy yeah. and flies off the side. I think, you'd, you know, this, this little shape underneath the snow. <laughs> Just cruising along. The guy's doing the driveway again. Come here, honey. It's funny. <laughs> All right. There's a question from jhag96 on Instagram asking if we recommend getting lighter weight wheels and better tires hmm. before you change suspension from stock. It's a good idea. And I like, I like where your head's at. I like your thinking. Mm -hmm. Yes, that will definitely inform you. What I do want to caution you about, and we've said this before, is that is doing both at the same time. Whichever direction mm, you choose, yeah. do one because you won't be able to understand, well, was it the lightweight wheels and tires or was it the suspension that gave me this new feeling that I love? Mm. I, I don't know which one I did. Change yeah. one thing at a time, whichever mm -hmm. it is you do, lighter weight wheels and tires. I mean, that is the place to start. Yeah. Tires, Agreed. wheels, lighten things up. You'll be astounded at just the response well, alone from that. I would even back your play and go further and go, don't do lightweight wheels and tires all at once. Why not just go to a better tire compound? Just tires, stock sure, wheels sure. And see how much that changes things. Now, change that unsprung weight at the corners, go with a lighter wheel. You, you stagger your way there so you can see how, how the pieces are making a difference. I think that's fantastic advice. Yeah, okay. All right, what else? Oh, so many. We've got uh, Ian asked this question, which would we choose? 2016 M3 Ooh. with a DCT, 18,000 miles, or 2018 M2 Manual, 1,400 miles. Price is $1,000 different. I'm going M2 all day long. It is smaller, lighter, more fun, newer, done. Cannot agree more. M2, back in your play there. All right, ZipD, uh, sorry, ZJPD on Instagram tells us his son is going to drive soon. 
any performance driving schools in California that we would recommend. Mm. I initially thought about Allenberg Racing School, but then realizing upon visiting his website, he's all formula open wheel cars at Laguna oh. Seca. Okay. So I backed off and I went to Danny McKeever's Fast Lane Driving That's School. That's where I was going to go. Yep. Because he uses the Scion TC. Mm-hmm. And I think he uses some 86s, uh, various cars kind of in that vein. It used to be Celica's way back in the it's day. Toyota products, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he uses low-power cars at Willow Springs International mm-hmm. Raceway in mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. Great place to learn. He's an excellent instructor. He's got a whole slew great of great stuff. instructors there. And it teaches you car control and maneuverability before you get into the high-horsepower front straightaway animals. Well, they're, they're normal cars that your yeah. son or daughter might actually drive. That's the other thing about it that's great. You don't yeah. wind up in a here's, a, here's a Corvette. You didn't buy your 16-year-old Corvette, most likely. So th- that's a great thing about it, and I do love it. We've actually had Danny at some of the Motor Press Guild track days, and he's, he's phenomenal. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's see. Let's, oh, I've got JP, uh, JP Sella on Instagram says, The Evora is heading down in resale prices. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I am looking at them longingly. Will that push the Elise somewhere else? No. The Elise is a different animal. It's a different market. The, and, and I think it's, yeah. p- there's potential because there's a current slash new Evora. I think there'll be a place where the Evora might get as cheap or cheaper than Elise's because Elise's do not have a replacement in the market. If Lotus brings a genuine Elise competitor or placement, then I think those Elise's might start dropping again. But the Evora has the 400, which is an improvement. And then on from there, that's going to keep pushing the Evoras lower. And I think the Elises are going to stay 30 grand like they've been for a decade. <laughs> right. Alternator 33 is stuck in bed, recovering from a broken arm, a motorcycle crash. Dang, ouch. We are sorry to hear that and wish you a speedy recovery. What motorsports do we watch and where do you go to watch them? Mm. A lot. Well, we're towards the end of the year now. So a lot of the races are kind of winding to a close. F1 only has one race left. Le Mans is in June, Mm -hmm. usually the second weekend of June, somewhere around there. And of course, there's various motorsports on NBC, uh, SN, Um, ESPN has a lot of, carries a lot of various sports, motorsports. But, you know, season two is free on Prime now. Just I agree. If you've got Amazon, you've got a lot of everyday driver you could watch and a bunch of our movies, too. I was saying, in, in uh, the vein of movies, if you haven't seen the movie Senna about oh, yes. Ayrton Senna, yes. watch this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great movies from Chassis Media about mm-hmm. Paul Newman, The Racing Life of Paul Newman. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Excellent yeah. was. The, yeah. uh, excellent movie there. Uh, the 24-Hour War, also good. 24 mm-hmm. Hours of Le Mans. And, of course, anything from Steve McQueen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to watch the movie Le Mans. I mean, that is a classic. If you haven't seen that movie, it's it's one of those things where you're doing it for your own personal bedrock it's, research. It's not compelling. It's but not. you will sit there the it's whole not. time and wonder how they got it shot. That's the cool thing it's about Le Mans. You different. keep going, I mean, where is the actual story in this? Oh, but that's a cool shot. That <laughs> yeah. happens a lot in Le Mans. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Oh, look, Steve McQueen is standing in a corner and brooding and kind of gives a sideways glance to camera. Where's the dialogue? Le Mans is a weird <laughs> film, but it is amazing that they got it done. Follow Pirelli World Challenge. That's an excellent series as well. as sure. um, yeah. Well, there's all kinds of stuff. We don't get as many racing series from Europe here, um, televised in the U.S. But, uh, yeah, the Formula One season kicks off in March on the Gold Coast in Australia, so you can look forward to that. But hopefully it'll be healed by then. Yeah. Ben asked an interesting question. Learning performance driving as a novice, wouldn't it be better to learn on a van or SUV than a small sports car? Oh, interesting question. I I see your logic, Ben, because you're saying don't don't performance cars hide bad driving. I see your logic, but I'm going to say to you, not low-horsepower performance cars don't. 
Yeah, you get in a, right. a heavy-duty Camaro or a Corvette or a Mustang with a lot of power, and it can hide the fact that you're driving terribly because you can put your foot in the floor and go fast. But your Miatas, your 86s, your MR2s, this kind of world, okay? Heck, Fiesta ST, all right? You want to have a car that doesn't have body roll. If you want to learn, I, I understand that, yes, weight transfer, you're going to feel it in the in the, the van, Mm. And I, I know that's your argument. I can feel weight transfer, and I can't over overcook myself because I can't go fast. I get it, but the weight transfer is sloppy. Your inputs are not directly followed by what the van is doing or what the big SUV is doing. There's a layer of rubber band, if you will. There's a layer of uh, insulation between everything you do. You get into the small cars that also aren't powerful. And you have a direct connection to, if I hit the brake, it does this. If I, You can left foot brake a front-wheel drive car. You can crank the wheel in real hard, mm. and you can feel the body sure. roll immediately as you're turning the wheel. There's not a delay. That is the difference. So it's lightweight, small cars that also aren't powerful. That's the business. Hmm. It's a question from Oliver H. on Facebook about best driving shoe for commuters. And you might think we'd you know dive right to the hardcore Sparco and... You know, all those kinds of shoes, but you're commuting, so you're not, you know, heel and towing and in a tiny car and mm-hmm. diving for a corner where you've got to feel the brake and feel everything. So I'm not going there necessarily. I mean, obviously something comfortable sole, but honestly, something that's a slip on. And mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Cole Haan. I, they make mm-hmm. a, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's a loafer, but it's a slip on. So you can just, you know, once you get there, you can put your boots on, yeah. um, you know, wherever you're going. And it's got that roll heel. At yeah. the base of it. And I kind of dig that. They're reasonably priced. I mean, I'm, it's not an ad. I just yeah. liked Cole Haan for a while. They got cool shoes. Well, he says he drives big. He has big boots for work. And I'll just tell you, I, I have I have my winter shoes, which, of course, are out now because we got snow on the ground. Yeah, right. But uh, I love Pumas. The, the roll heel They're Pumas. The I actually typically drive the Drift Cat, just so you know. I, and that's just what I, I like. They fit my feet well, and, mm-hmm. they, and they actually have a nice roll heel, and they're comfortable. If I end up walking around in them, they're okay. But uh, they aren't my big winter shoes. Now, of course, I also can't wear my big winter shoes to even drive the Lotus, so I have to put on small <laughs> right. shoes for that car. There is that. All right. Uh, we've got so many questions. Well, tell you what. We'll leave some of these questions for next week, Podcast mm-hmm. 350. We'll get to some more next of these. Next time, two days from now, yeah. We've got some more. Please add more of your questions, and this is all car-related, as we've said before. Yep. Bring it, because we're going to be teeing that up early on Wednesday for a Friday podcast, because mm-hmm. we are traveling for yes, a shoot. Are. Last shoot of season four, I can't believe. So we, we will get leave it done. there. <laughs> yeah, we do. Thank you guys so much we'll for listening. Thank you for watching the TV show on either Velocity or Amazon Prime. Again, season four is coming in January, but seasons one through three are available on Amazon Prime, and we would like your ratings, please, on Amazon. That helps the show get found. We appreciate it. Also, the same thing is true of this podcast. If you haven't rated it or reviewed it, we would welcome that. We know we've got a lot of ratings and reviews, but it's kind of a beast that needs to be fed. As you keep giving more, yeah. that keeps us in yeah. the top 10. So thank you for that as well. We, we love having you guys listening and writing to us. Guys, we're looking forward to next time. Podcast 350. Can't believe it. It's crazy. Cheers, everyone. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However... When an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.
ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.